Welcome to the Pathway Podcast. This is a special interview episode of Pathway's college pastor, Jack Cross, by executive pastor, Mitchell Neldon. Jack is the director of Thrive Student Ministries at the University of Arkansas. In this interview, Jack shares his journey to Fayetteville and Pathway. It's a touching story of losing and finding loved ones. As a warning, you want to have the tissues nearby. Here is Jack's interview. I'm here with Jack Cross, uh, the campus, no, not campus, college pastor. <laughs> campus pastor is confusing. We have a lead pastor, campus pastor, executive pastor, chief of staff, who's in charge of Pathway. Uh, Nobody knows. Yeah, <laughs> keep them guessing. <laughs> but how, how did you get here? How did you arrive at Pathway? And uh, how'd you get here? And, and was you were hired in 2013? But how? What was the things? What were the things that happened leading up to that? Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Um, Mitchell and I've talked about it at different times, and and I think with the other people too. But um, yeah, so in our life, uh, I think probably the earlier earlier piece was Karen and I, my wife. Um, we were, I, I think probably the best place to start is maybe even in uh, that summer. It's about July-ish, and we were um, in Belize on a mission trip. And anytime we've gone on a short-term mission trip, man, there's just been things that God just kind of works in your heart and through, through you, whatever. On this particular trip, though, um, something, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know how to really describe it other than just I felt like God was dealing with me. And I didn't know what it was, but I do know that like walking out of that trip, um, just remember having conversations, Karen and I just kind of quietly and just not real sure what to say about it, but God was doing something. And so we kind of began to pray that way. Um, God, what do you, what do you want from us? If, you know, our yes is on the table, whatever you want to do to do through us, do, you know, cause us to, to whatever, uh, we had no clue what that would look like. And so begin to pray about that, begin to think over that. And, um, man, I don't know, just things begin to shift and change, um, I think in that fall, um, as we kind of get got into the fall, uh, I got a couple of phone calls from different people with job offers with like completely unsolicited. Um, so that was just weird um, and kind of caused us to begin praying, okay, God, is, is this it? You know, is this the thing you want? Uh, is this what you were kind of prepping our hearts for, you know? Uh, because I've always valued like long-term ministry and, and the, some of the mentors that I've had have been in their places, you know, not two and three years, but more like 20 plus. And so... Um, I don't know. That's something I've always wanted to do. And so didn't want to just leave someplace, especially we'd been there, I think about three years. And so what all were you doing there? Like what were your so role? I, yeah, I was, I was a, a student pastor. It was a smaller church in a small town, uh, much like the one I grew up in. Um, so like less than 5,000 people. Um, but we were actually even outside of town. And so, but, but in, and did ministry kind of in, in that city, it was in Fordyce, Arkansas. Um, South Central Arkansas, but uh, I was student pastor there and uh, just a couple of us on staff. And so, you know, got general church things that happen across the board with the small staff, uh, of course, but then primarily working with uh, junior high and high school students. And so anyway, we were working there and um, like I said, got some job offers, got, did some interview, did an interview. Um, As a matter of fact, I was in an interview with a church out of Memphis and things were going really, really well. But I got a phone call from my brother. I got a phone call from my grandmother. I got another phone call from my brother. And anytime something like that happens, uh, first of all, my grandmother doesn't call that often. Um, and so, anyway, some, I knew something wasn't right. So I kind of wrapped up my conversation with the pastor. We were finishing that up. And then my uh, my brother, I remember him. I remember calling my grandmother, 
he, she said, I need to call my brother really quickly and my younger brother. And I called him, um, and he told me that my father had passed away. Um, he had came in and found him. He had died of a heart attack. And, uh, man, that was rocked our world because it was completely unexpected. Um, as far as we knew at the time, he didn't have any heart problems or anything like that. And so um, the, the year before, he had actually uh, – he was an overweight guy, um, carried a lot of his weight, had type 2 diabetes, one of those kind of conversations with doctors, you know, for years leading up to that, that, hey, man, if you don't lose your weight, you know, it's kind of – it's not if you have a stroke or a heart attack, but it's when. And so he had actually lost 90 pounds uh, the year before. And so really feeling good about his health and that kind of stuff from, like I said, from, from what we knew then. Um, of course, what I, I found out later that, of course, he had let his blood sugar get back out of hand. He had, he had you know, kind of gotten off the diet that he was on and all that kind of stuff. And so um, anyway, like I said, rocked our world, sent us back to the idea of, the, well, the, also the interview that I was having at the time period, that thing just fell apart like, like super fast. Um, and so it just kind of left me saying, God, what in the world are you doing? Um, what was the, all the prep work and all this kind of stuff because dad was going to die and uh, life was going to change. And about this time frame, um, anyway, just trying to figure out life and what that looked like. Had a little, little girl, uh, Tessa, um, trying to do ministry and trying to figure out how to take care of mom, uh, and my brother at that time. And so anyhow, in about a month later, uh, it's about October, uh, trying to sort through all that kind of stuff and kind of living under the needs, the new normal. I got a phone call from a guy that I knew, but, uh, honestly didn't talk to on a regular basis or anything, uh, Clint Feltz. Um, and so he was the worship pastor up here and he had called me and just said, um, kind of pitched out an idea that pathway was looking for a college minister for the U of A, um, looking for someone to come on staff and work. But, uh, Honestly, just just wanted to know if I'd even be interested. Um, he, because our families were originally from Pine Bluff, and I think our parents were in a Sunday school class together or something like that. Um, funny enough, underneath Larry Fincher, um, so that was kind of you know full circle there. Um, but that's how we knew each other. It was kind of through our parents. He knew that my father had passed away, and so he knew it was a tough time and that kind of thing. And just kind of just floating the idea out there. Um, he had no clue what was going on through my heart and mind. Um, and of course he also said that, you know, we're not looking for anybody too fast. I remember, I remember that phrase, <laughs> you know, it was almost as if he kind of pitched the idea, but then also was like, oh yeah, but we're not hiring you the next month. <laughs> and so, um, but little did he know, man, I was like, that's, that's excellent. You know, cause I don't, I don't need to leave right now. Uh, we've got why, to, why didn't you need to leave? Right well, there? I mean, life insurance stuff, my parents own businesses, uh, together, um, there was all kinds of little little deals that we were trying to figure out how to handle, and you know I was kind of the, the oldest son and trying to help mom navigate through some of those waters and um, trying to get our feet back underneath us too. And so, yeah, I didn't want to I didn't want to think about trying to move a house and move away from my mom and all that kind of stuff, especially hours away. And so when he kind of just back backtracked and said, you know, we're not looking for anybody right now, but but maybe in the spring or something like that. I mean, everything he said was just lining up, and then. Um, I think the next couple of days, maybe I talked to Jeremy after Clint and I had a good conversation and Jeremy just kind of gave me some, some info and, and Jeremy and I had met through, um, you know, an association of churches with, with us. And we had met at some point in time through a mutual friend. And so we'd had some conversations. I think that's how he knew me. And so we just kind of talked about that. Uh, he kind of pitched out what it would look like, you know, what kind of time frame pathway was looking at. 
And that's all what I, you know, just kind of confirmed to me and just told him, hey, listen, I don't need to go anywhere real fast. I got lots of things we got to take care of. And so uh, that'd be great. And so he just said, well, I'll tell you what, right now, let's just both be praying about this. And I think it was like October. And he, I, I don't remember if we set a date for first of January or right after Christmas, but it was sometime in December when we talked again. Um, and it was wild because that's the first time in my life that there's ever been a time frame like that. And literally every day. Um, I thought about it. Uh, what would about you it. What would you think about? I mean, everything. Um, what would it, What would it be like to move to Fayetteville? Um, what it would be like to be a part of Pathway? I started researching Pathway and what you know. Yeah, what, what was <laughs> going on? What was your impression of Pathway at that? point? I mean, up to that point, I'd been in traditional churches. You know, and that's where I grew up in. That's kind of where I was. I was serving in a very kind of traditional church. You know, a lot, a lot of heartbeat, a lot of, uh, a lot of passion. Uh, the pastor there is great, and the, the, the youth ministry, that kind of stuff. You know, people love the kids and that kind of stuff. But it was, it was a traditional setting. Uh, even the church I went to in college um, had a lot of progressive, doing a lot of really good things. But at that time, still, you know, still pretty traditional. You know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night church, all big things like that. Um, and then begin to look at Pathway and to see that it was a different model. Um, heavy on small groups, Sunday morning only. Um, you know, going to have kids ministries on the, on the midweek and that kind of stuff. But um, anyway, um, all kinds of stuff, really. Yeah. I was what was it. the website like back then? <laughs> like, where did you go to find information about Pathway? That's interesting. I think both Facebook, if I'm not mistaken, and and just typing in, you know, Pathway into Google and seeing what happened. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> you got, they were doing pretty good. I think I give a lot of credit to Jeremy, uh, you know, having some good pictures and stuff like that. And so uh, it, was, had, it was I know good. that back then we were big into Flickr. We had like Flickr albums you could find yeah, through I the do website. Remember. <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember I think that. we still have the account, but yeah, no pictures probably since then. Right. Right. I remember like researching Pathway as a senior in high school and after I got Jeremy's card at mm-hmm. AYC. And the thing that I remember is going to the website and ha- had a couch on the front page. And it was like small groups starting, had like a date or something like that. And I remember that graphic, yeah. I just remember thinking like, I don't even know. Like, why is there a couch on the front page? <laughs> what is small groups? Anyway, yeah, it's just interesting to... 2013 is a little bit different 2008 but that's true it's true but I, I'm in the same sense though man I was um I don't know I was hungry for something um I was looking for it uh, we were looking forward to uh something kind of different and like I said too like back in July we were praying and knew that God was going to do something in and through us and then when I thought you know the death of my father the falling part of you know just the interview type stuff that I was going through, uh, just kind of hands up in the air, like, God, what in the world are you doing? And so then when October comes and then the opportunity for Pathway, I'm like, ah, okay, I see what you're doing here. All right, God, there might be something. So you feel like that was preparing your heart for transition? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do because, yeah, and then all the thought process and and, and just the letting it marinate, you know, um, really not having any conversations with you guys at all. Um, from October to December. Karen just, was pregnant, is that right? Um, yes, she was pregnant. I forget exactly when we found out that we were going to have Enoch. Enoch was born in July, so yeah, around that time frame too, yes, we found out we were going to have a son. Um, so that was also fun. <laughs> yeah, how did your, what were, the, what were the conversations like between you and Karen at that point, which so many things happening in such a short amount of time? A lot of our life has been that way. 
<laughs> so not too surprising, I guess. It's a dramatic um, event. I mean, you know, we together. try to squeeze as much. I mean, I, I know some other families that feel that way too. And so I think, you know, I, but but I don't know. I think it's just confirmation to how God works in the midst of a couple because I know she would spend time praying. We were on the mission trip together. I think both of us kind of outside of that, you know, without getting too many details of kind of what was going on at the church that we were at to um, – I mean, I think there's just little bitty things that kind of just kept building up to where our hearts were like, okay, Lord, yes, yes, we're open to going somewhere else. And the initial look at, you know, coming to Fayetteville, I mean, so we're in Fordyce. If anybody knows what Fordyce is, you know, um, the move from Fordyce to Fayetteville, um, <laughs> it's not it's not hard. <laughs> uh, I love the people down there. I really do. Sweet people. Um, on the same sense, you know, just when you're comparing those two things, it's not really apples to apples. Um, so that was exciting for sure. But it wasn't that easy um, because the salary up here wasn't fixed. I was basically going to be living as a missionary, you know, going to have to raise my salary, going to have to do that kind of thing. We were adding another food, you know, another mouth to the table with having a a son. Uh, We were, um, we we owned a house down there. Um, Karen was a teacher, had to figure out how she was going to get a teaching job, job up this way. So there were lots of things. I was going to walk on to the University of Arkansas to be a college pastor. That was a little bit intimidating at first, too. Uh, just a lot of students. I went to – Karen and I both graduated um, from college down there in Monticello, which was awesome and providential just even of itself and the whole story there. Um, on the same sense, you know, I mean, you're talking about 2,500, 3,000 students, you know, so big difference. And so, anyway. Um, yeah, I remember – during your Q&A in the interview process, I think Bill Bouillon asked the question, like, why would you want to come here and be in this role and serve? And your question was, why wouldn't I want to be here? <laughs> What's the downside? You know, that's, uh, to me, that was, uh, especially coming, Bill was a student, mm-hmm. you know, and so he's thinking, okay, like, this is, this is a job. This is, there needs to be a lot of work done here. But, for you to answer that, like, this is an opportunity. Like this is, I'm viewing this as, as a way to do more with my personal ministry. So I thought that was really an interesting answer to that question. Oh yeah, of course. Well, and that's to me, like too, like just the idea, I I had forgotten about this, but Silas, I have a younger brother, three years younger than me. um, He actually reminded me after the fact of all you know kind of going through the process and and nearly the hiring was nearly done um that he and I had talked about back in college when I was in college about what it would look like to do campus ministry at the U of A because I I was in a very strong uh, campus ministry down there in Monticello um had some awesome friends I mean just awesome brothers and um stuff like that that it was great to be a part of the campus minister mentor Rob Leonard um I mean, just life-changing being around that group of people at that stage in my life. Um, But the idea of, hey, it's a launching point, and, man, college ministry is this opportunity where you have people who are coming to be trained, and they are going to go all over the world. Um, So, I mean, of course, all over Arkansas, uh, being here at the flagship, you know, um, university here in the state, and going to be business leaders in the next 10 and 15, 20 years. Uh, but then also they're going all over the world. And so we have the opportunity really to make missionaries um, and to help 
those who already have a relationship with God, for them to be able to, what does it look like for me to put on the glove and see how this fits? What does it look like for me to live out my Christianity uh, in the workplace? What does it look like for me to live out my Christianity on Tuesday? You know, that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I remember that question with Bill and feeling like, why would we not? Well, you know, I mean, like, why would we not want a thriving campus ministry at the U of A? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, that, I mean, if you guys want to have me, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so we felt very fortunate that we got an experienced guy with multiple church church mm-hmm. experience, right? College ministry, like you said, yeah. very healthy college ministry experience and one of the uh, best college pastors that we know of and Rob Leonard and being mentored by him. So we felt very fortunate. But that's the, I think it was that same Sunday when we were interviewing you, you shared something in your sermon, and I was actually teaching in the back. I just remember all these people having these conversations about it immediately after services, and you shared something that that I don't think anybody knew. I don't think Jeremy knew. I don't think Clint knew. And you just mind sharing? Uh, I know you talked to your sister this this week in preparation for this. You just you want to share that story? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I forget exactly the particular point, and I've tried to remember, and I don't really, it's been a little bit like what the sermon was about, but I do remember the story and sharing that um, uh, particularly. And so, man, I grew up with, in a small town, about 3,500 people um, in the east side of the state, and did not have a lot of family around us, but I didn't know any better. You know, I mean, it just kind of is what it is, you know. My dad um, grew up in West Virginia. Well, grew up really kind of all over the country. He was a, an Air Force brat, um, but went to high school, and his dad's family were from the West Virginia area. He went to college in West Virginia. Um, my mom grew up in the Pine Bluff area and uh, actually around some of my dad's cousins. Um, so she grew up kind of knowing that side of his family better than he did. Um but um, he got a job opportunity early on in his career to uh, open up an insurance agency uh, there in DeWitt. And so we, um, we lived there. Mom and dad loved each other. We went to church nearly every Sunday, involved with our church there. Um, you know, my mom's family, who we were pretty close to, I mean, grandfather was a believer and grandmother, strong believer, um, really with them. Um, I don't know, just really as far as... You know, I thought I had a pretty boring childhood, pretty boring life. As a matter of fact, I remember one of the my biggest regrets. I was probably about a tenth grader or something like that. Um, I remember thinking, "Oh, you know what? I, I think I could go and and party with these guys, or I think I could go and and hang around this particular crew that I knew I shouldn't have, um, and do some stuff." And and it really typified probably my high school experience a lot. It was just waffling back and forth between what was right and what was wrong. Um, and I remember really kind of thought was, well, I mean, I got a boring testimony. You know, I got a boring story. No one really cares, you know. And I got a good net behind me. It'll be all right. You got to spice it up. Yeah, I got to so spice this powerful. thing up a little bit, you know. Yeah. Dumbest thing. <laughs> Dumbest thing I remember ever looking back on. And, just, and I'm laugh, I can laugh about it now, but uh, a lot of shame and a lot of guilt kind of came out of that. Um, and so that's one of the things now, just being able to look back at it with it with a little bit of hindsight and maturity. Um, being able to, to think, man... If anybody's kind of got that story, you got that feeling as a as a young person, uh, just hang on. 
Uh, just wait. Uh, life has this crazy way of throwing all of us plenty of curveballs. And so if you'll trust in trust in Christ, uh, follow after him, he'll give you plenty of spice. <laughs> There'll be plenty of story to tell. <laughs> um, and so part of that is I uh, got, got to, had a great college experience, and, and that's a long story, so we'll, we'll save that. But, uh, man, got into ministry, uh, got an opportunity to serve in that church that I was in, and, and they, they were going to kind of develop a new program with the, that they were going to try to do, and, and the idea of giving me the, the church was growing, so they needed an associate pastor. I was going to get a chance to be their associate pastor and work on my master's degree. And so, and they would go ahead and help me with that um, through Liberty University. And so that was an awesome experience. Got, to, got a chance to stay there, work with them, uh, be on staff with them, learn a lot. Uh, of course, scholastically learn a lot too. And then um, kind of a little bit into that time frame, um, I was about 23 years old. Um, one day my dad calls and says, hey, son, I need to tell you something. Uh, something I told you, you know, kind of a few years ago, a few years back when you were in high school, um, but you have a sister. And I remember, <laughs> like, do what? <laughs> like, that? Like, I, 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 there's several, several thoughts are going on in, in my mind right now. <laughs> like, one, I have a sister. Wow, when did that happen? How did that happen? All right, is mom okay? And then the other side is, there ain't no way in the world you told me that. <laughs> That's what I was about to ask. I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you did not. And I told him that. I remember being on the phone with like that animated also. It's like, there's no way in the world you, you let me know that beforehand. Um, and so, I don't know. It was, I was just, just wow. Um, really, when I look back on it too, though, more comical. And, and that's probably just one of, that's just a blessing from God because if it had it happened in maybe a different stage of life or a younger stage in life, maybe I wouldn't have been able to view my dad um, as as well as I did. Um, you know, I don't know. It just it, me being, I guess, mature enough during that stage of life. Just like it didn't, it didn't really shake my my thoughts about my father or whatever, or justify that what he did was right or wrong or whatever. Um, but I was able to just be more like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, and so really what it came back to, which later on I did remember the conversation, there was a time period when my dad had shared with me and he, we were talking about just different things that happened, different temptations and stuff like that that happened during high school time frame. Um, and he was trying to lovingly as a father, let me know, you know, one of those father son conversations, lovingly let me know that, Hey, you can mess up or you can make some really big mistakes here. You know, if, if you need to be honest with me, you know, you need to let me know. I want to help you type situation. Of course, I knew he was trying to have like a birds and the bees type conversation <laughs> with me. And as a high schooler, I'm just like, dad, what are you like? What are you doing? Like, like dad, this is not possible. Like, and I tried to let him know, like, dad, you're, it's okay. Like, I know you're trying to be, you know, whatever, but there's, you got nothing to worry about dad. I promise. Like, it's not. There's nothing to worry about. Uh, so I was ignoring him, basically. Um, and then looking back onto it, I, I, maybe I do kind of remember him alluding to the fact that he had a time period in high school where he had made a mistake and, and didn't know. And so really that's kind of, I mean, there's all kinds of different pieces to this that are kind of playing out. It's really kind of my dad's perspective of the story and then my sister's perspective of the story. And so I guess to, on my dad's side of it, just kind of continue with that. Uh, he had, He had, you know, some things that happened during high school. Um, it came out that a girl that he had been with named Pam um, was pregnant. 
and there might have been some question on who the father could be, of course, during that time frame. Um, they were, I think, like 15, 16 years old, mm. something like that, so really young. Um, and it wouldn't be good now, for sure. It's not, it's not you know, never, never the plan. Um, but it was really not good then. And I don't know all the details, and I hate to try to speculate or speak too much on it, but I just know that, that it was ugly. And I, I know that my dad remembers a conversation, he remembered a conversation with his parents, and I maybe even think like a grandparent or something like that in the room, where they were mad and they were threatening to send him to Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Of course, they were in uh, Elkins, West Virginia at that time. And they were threatening to send him to, um, to Arkansas to live with his grandparents and finish out his high school. Um, and I don't know. One thing after it led to another, kind of one of those things where it was like, you two shouldn't, can't, y'all can't communicate, y'all can't talk. Talking about the, the two kids. Uh, y'all, y'all can't be around each other. You shouldn't even be in the same room together. Um, and there were all kinds of different conversations between both parties, you know, and, and, and a relatively small town there as well. And so people kind of taking sides and, hey, I got your back. And, hey, hey, I can't believe you would do this, you know, type, type back and forth. Um, but really kind of led to them never really being able to speak and really never being able to talk about it. And so they just kind of went through life. And that, that's interesting. Cause you, you would think, because th- these people, your, your family, like your grandparents, mm-hmm. his great grand or his grandparents, your great grandparents, yeah, they would be Christian people, right? Like they or not, not. Okay. Not as much. Well, I don't. I don't believe so because because that's that's an interesting twist to the piece in the story. I don't really know that side of the family. Um, my dad's father, which I'm named after, um, he passed away before my mom and dad were were married. Um, I think that he, being in the military, uh, being married to my grandmother, I think changed a lot uh, from his upbringing. The way that I understand it is, um, some of that crew was. Pretty rough, pretty rough group of uh, hillbillies, um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean like you know, yeah, yeah, the, the West Virginia type crew, just like you know, South Arkansas, you know, rednecks, um, and so there's a lot in common there. <laughs> Hillbillyology, um, yeah. Hey, right. there you go. <laughs> common <laughs> reference there, um, but um, yeah. So I mean, but it was just kind of one of those things where it's just just an ugly situation. Um, even talking to my sister, um, one of the details that I didn't really even know about, but. Um, her mother's, so her grandfather, her mother's dad, um, I think he was kind of tough. And uh, I say kind of, being really nice, because um, I don't know the man. But, but I mean, he made, he made her go to school all the way to the end. Uh, and teachers and stuff like that, I think we're even coming to him and saying, hey, listen, we'll help her out. We'll get her what she needs or whatever, you know. Um, and he's like, no, she did this. She's got to go to school all the way. And so it's just kind of just a rough, a rough spot. Um, so dad goes on to college um, in the midst of in, in, in there in West Virginia. Um, and so he and, and they're they're not sure who the dad is. Like no, yeah, that's, that's right. No DNA test, nothing like that back then. So it wasn't just clear cut. And so it really was one of those things that, hey, look, if there's question. And I, I don't know exactly what happened, but I mean, one of the things, one of the perspectives that I heard even from my dad was that like, it's possible that a couple of my uncles or his uncles, my great uncles even went to them and said, Hey, look, if there's questions, it ain't him, hmm. you know? And, uh, so just kind of a <laughs> mafia type, just under the table, just ugly. Um, and so they went in their different directions and dad went to college. 
um, spent a few years um, with WVU and, and, and graduated from um, one of the colleges there in, uh, in West Virginia. And then he, um, and then he, during that time period, his family, his mom and dad particularly, moved to Arkansas to be around the other extended family, take care of some of them, do some other things. Kind of, he had reti- fully retired from the from the Air Force, and so they were going back there. Um, had moved um, with at least one of my aunts, uh, one of his sisters, down down to Arkansas, and so um, my dad finishes up college, and he he recounts a time period where right after that he he. Didn't really know what he's going to do with his life. I think graduated with a business degree, uh, so trying to figure things out. Did he want to stay in West Virginia? Did he want to go to Arkansas and be with around family and that kind of stuff? And so essentially, he decided, you know what, I'm going to go back into town, and we're adults now. You know, we've got I don't remember five six years that had passed, and so uh, since even high school, and so he's like, we, I want to sit down and let's just let's just have a conversation. Let's have an adult conversation about what happened and what's going on. Uh, and and he he said that he went there with a mentality like if that's my daughter, I want to know, like I don't I'm not, I have no intent to just leave her. And so he goes back into town. And he was looking for someone particular, looking for a couple different particular particular people. And I think it was one of those setups where it was you know kind of a chatty Kathy type person you know that he knew he could get some information out of. And so he goes to I believe it was a diner. Um, where this one particular person worked and begins kind of chatting her up about all kinds of different people. He didn't really want anybody to know exactly why he was in town, um, exactly what was going on. And so he's asking about all kinds of different people and whatever. And then in the midst of their conversation, the conversation about Pam comes up, the, the girl. And so he's trying to figure out what's up with her. And at that point in time, she was married. Um, she had a daughter. And this person that dad was talking to, um, you know, basically made it sound like, yeah, they're getting they're, you know, they got life going type thing. And so when he heard that, he, he kind of, it was kind of a setback type moment where it's like, Oh my goodness. Like I know where she's at. Yeah, you don't want to break. The, I, the good yeah. Thing do, do I really want to jump off in the middle of this where I got no clue what's going on? And do I really want to wade, you know, wade off into this if they're, if they're doing well, you know? And he's still unsure whether or not. Yeah. And he doesn't even know. That's exactly right. So it's like, do I really want to cause all this drama, all this chaos? And so he, um, he, he decided not to, not to mess with it. And so he, gets ready, gets back in his vehicle, and starts driving out of town. And he remembers a time period where he pulled over on the side of the road, and he said um, he remembers praying. And he wasn't necessarily really religious at that time period, um, and but he remembers having a deep sense to, to need to pray and say, God, if that's my daughter, I just pray that you would help me to know or help her to be okay and, um, you know, get us together sometime. And then he was, you know, more or less drove off. And how old was her, his daughter, your sister, at the time? Do you know? I mean, had to have been like seven-ish, you know, seven or eight, somewhere around there maybe. I don't even, I don't know. I mean, I believe Pam was about, yeah, they were about 15, 16. So anyway, you did a little bit of math right there. And so just just kind of a wild setup. Um, and he, he kind of more or less went on, ultimately moved to Arkansas, met my mom, um, had me and my brother. Um, you know, we, um, kind of go through life. Um, my brother and I got out of high school, went to college, and then here I am at 23 years old, finding out that I have a sister. Now, the backstory from Charity's side, Charity's my sister, uh, the backside from her is that 
her mother had passed away and she had been adopted by her grandparents. Her grandparents had both passed away. And so kind of caused her, she's an adult woman now, um, had been through college, had been through uh, pharm- pharmacy school, been through, uh, she's a pharm- pharmaceutical doctor, uh, working for a company, all this kind of stuff, married, um, and wanted to figure out some of her roots. She had never really asked questions. How never old really... was her mom when she died? Well, so. Or uh, how old was Charity when her mom died? Well, so yeah, some of the backstory with that was that she had a completely different experience. When she was about in third grade, so what's it put her about seven, eight years old, somewhere around there, um, eight, nine, anyway, um, she um, had found out that Randy Cross was her father. I mean, yeah, it was her father. Um, that kind of went to play about when her mother and the guy that she was married to um, is a very abusive relationship, and they um, they had split up. And in the midst of that, Charity, of course, is crushed. Her dad's gone. She didn't know that that wasn't her dad, and her mom gave her a annual and pointed out, Randy Cross, that's your real father. And so Charity kind of grew up with a good bit of abandonment. She didn't ask a lot of questions, you know, at that age, you know, and I've got kids who have been that age and that kind of stuff. And just, she's like, oh, wow. Um, but Charity, um, you know, grew up with my father doesn't care about me, doesn't want to be around me, didn't want anything to do with us. And so that was kind of her perspective of the situation. Um, her, anyway, it just is a very, very difficult early childhood for sure. And it wasn't until, um, her mother and um, her stepfather and her sister's husband, her sister's dad, um, anyway, that they split up and that they completely got away from each other, that her grandparents adopted her, and then Charity kind of would see her mom at different times. Um, and But they didn't live together and didn't live in the same town. And so that's very difficult for Charity um, and, and something her and I have even gotten to talk about here recently. And I don't know, it's just my heart <laughs> goes out to her, uh, just a wild set of circumstances. And I, you know, one that I don't even know how to explain or, you know, wish things were different type, type scenario. Um, but really glad that we know each other now. Um, but her, her mother passed away in a car accident, charity's freshman year in college. Um, they kind of had a family altercation of some sort or whatever. Uh, her mom decided to leave, um, a little bit earlier than what she was supposed to. Um, and then, um, crashed in media. And so just very traumatic, uh, with that charity goes on through college. And like I said, goes in and has a lot of success with, with, uh, college and, and postgraduate stuff. Um, gets married, they're working and, um, I'm glossing over a whole lot right through that time period, but, um, more or less that, yeah, she, she finally started, she had never really asked a lot of questions and had different people at different times, maybe tell her some stuff, you know, that you look a lot like the the cross family or whatever. You look a lot like my aunt, Anne, which is the youngest sister. Um, you know, they looked, they favored a lot, that kind of stuff. But, uh, more or less just thought, you know, he left me. He doesn't care anything about us. Doesn't want anything. Um, so why do I want anything about him? And I think maybe there was a graduation letter or something like that sent to my father, um, that charity didn't want sent, but her mom wanted to, you know, send to him and let him know that it was, uh, you know, everything went good. I think my dad, from my dad's perspective, he got it. And it was kind of one of those things where the, the tone of it and all that kind of stuff is just kind of 
not nice, um, which I understand from their perspective completely. <laughs> uh, but from his perspective, it's kind of like, ah, what is this? You know, um, he had told my mother that was one of my concerns was that he um, hadn't shared that with her and that that was going to be a marriage problem. And so, but he had shared with her. He had shared with her everything that kind of happened. Of course, she, she was always, she can be a worrier at different times. And so she was always worried that, you know, there was going to be somebody who was going to show up that was going to need money, going to need help, going to whatever, going to cause a lot of issues and problems. Um, possibly this lady even show up and try to destroy their marriage of some sort. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And so, um, more or less, Charity wrote a, Charity had, when she was looking for us or she was looking for her roots and things like that didn't have a lot of other family, um, and wanted to figure out some things, her thought was, well, you know what, I'm going to see what's up. So she just kind of started researching on online, uh, knew that Randy was in Arkansas, um, found him and then found some news articles and stuff of Jack and Silas Cross. And so she had to, what what were those news articles? (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. Not, not, not arresting. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Just some sports clips and some, you know, that we had, done well in college and, and some other things like that. And so, um, so she, she knew that, that we were out there. And so and she said, she actually told me this, she said that, uh, her and her husband, um, man, <laughs> they got in one of the biggest fights ever because her desire was, she's just gonna, this guy doesn't want anything to do with me. You know, basically I'm not, you know, I'm not reaching out to him. I'm not giving him the, the dignity. And her husband was like, no, you need to, you need to at least warn him first. Um, and so finally he went out and she, she decided she'd write Randy a letter and just tell him, I'm reaching out to my brothers. I would like to get to know them, you know, and, and she filled in some of the backstory of, you know, my, my mom, my grandmother, my grandfather, they've all passed away and I'm wanting to figure out some roots. And I know that you don't want anything to do with me, but maybe in time my brothers will. Yeah, I can't even imagine like being, to, to, to me, like mm-hmm. knowing where she was at that point where everyone that helped raise her yeah. was gone mm-hmm. and how rough her growing up was. And then and as far as she knows, dad doesn't want anything to do with her. Right. Like that's, I can't even imagine. What year was that when she was trying to reach out to y'all? By what time was that? I think we said 2000, was it 10, eight? Anyway, somewhere around there. Yeah. So you're, you're in college. About or... how old I was? Yeah, I was out of college, but okay. uh, not too far out of college. Um. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, and so just yeah, just just a, just a, I mean, tough thing for her, especially now to know her. <laughs> but anyway, so I mean, just yeah, we're trying to get to know know and whatever. And so they, Dad gets the letter. Um, he, you know, Randy's re- reading the letter through and whatever, and then and here, um, he kind of wants to. He dialogues back with her. As a matter of fact, she she told me this not long ago. She did not leave her contact information on there. I think maybe she had an email, maybe that she put on there, but she did not. Anyway, so somehow he researched her, and um, you know, like a daughter and father there, um, and she figured out he figured out her work number, and called her, um, and so they began talking, and they kind of talked back and forth. He shared her side, and and you know, of course, I think it surprised Charity. Uh, it really did. Uh, of course, I think she probably had she had a lot of skepticism at first. Um, you know, for him, I think it really felt like, you know, wow, here we are, lots of years later. You know, probably twenty something years later. Um, uh, God's answering a prayer. 
Um, and, and of course, even through that, um, they, they talked a little bit, had a uh, DNA test done. Um, of course, nowadays, you know, you can kind of do that, you know, from afar and all that. And the results came back actually, and I did not know this until talking to charity the other day. Uh, but it actually, the results came back on charity's birthday and my dad called, <laughs> called her and, um, saying happy birthday to his daughter. By that time period, I remember that time period. Dad had already told us that, that you know that, that this was a possibility and all this kind of stuff. And um, I remember at that time period, and we even saw pictures of her. And yeah, she looks a lot like my aunt Anne. And like, it probably would have been more of a shock that she wasn't my dad's daughter uh, at that point um, than than the than the reverse. And so uh, at that point, man, I think we we scheduled a time period to meet up um, and kind of meet each other for the first time. Uh, she actually, her and her husband flew to Arkansas and we met and I believe the first time that we met, I actually was preaching at like a, a youth event or something like that. And so, you know, we got to meet a little bit, talk a little bit, and then I went and spoke and she and her husband, you know, came with, came with us and, uh, they were, you know, church people and Christians and things like that and actually serving in a, uh, marriage ministry. Um, that was one of the things that she had kind of shared with, with my dad. And so it just... Just a weird and wild mm. situation, you know, especially coming from a small town where I thought, man, we got a pretty boring, you know, family, um, and, and boring in a good way, in the best way, uh, but really no drama, nothing like that. And then, uh, you know, here we are years later, it's like, wow, 23, you're going to find out you have an older sister. Um, and so we've, you know, over the last, whatever, several years, we've, we've begun to get to know each other and. Uh, we've done some Thanksgivings together. We've done some some trips, you know, to the beach and some other places uh, together. They live in North Carolina, so um, we don't get to see each other as much. Uh, they have a son that's a couple months younger than my oldest daughter, Tessa. And so um, Parker and Tessa are about the same age. Um, and so really it's it's one of those where it's – Man, I, I love them. It's it's great when we get a chance to talk to each other. It is it is still awkward. It's a little bit weird because you know, like my brother and I, we've got you know years of odd and end things that have happened and vacations and all this kind of stuff. And so you know, it's easy to pick up the phone and you know talk for an hour about nothing. Um, you know, with charity, we don't have as much. Um, we don't have as much background. On the same sense, you know, any of our trips we've taken or anything like that with with her and Brian, um, man, it's a lot of fun and. Um, it's it's one of the scenarios where never would have dreamed it, never would have thought it, yeah. uh, but it but I mean, it's in a weird way, it's awesome, um, and you know, wish I I wish I knew them better, um, mm -hmm. wish I got to spend more time with them, especially like when you think about a COVID year like this. That's one of the things I've thought about a couple different times. Uh, we weren't necessarily planning like a family vacation together or anything like that this year, but uh, I think because we can't. Um, you know, it's made me miss them a little bit more, um, ready to, ready to see them and, and spend time with them. So in one of those ways where, you know, it's a crazy story and it's a kind of a wild <laughs> turn of events, mm -hmm. um, on the same sense, it's, um, probably the best possible scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to think that your dad really didn't come from that big of a Christian background, right? Mm -hmm. Like you were saying. Yeah. And neither did charity. Yeah. And yet, here you are, involved in ministry. You're a a professional <laughs> minister, you know? 
Yeah, no. And then and then she's involved yeah. in like that, that's that's crazy to me because the chance my younger of, brother serves in, on a staff in, in Alma um with um with the church. And I you know, when I think about that, to me, that's the power of of who God is and generational like faithfulness, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you can do some things to mess some stuff up for your family in the future. But you can also do some things that can really propel them into something really magnificent and really great and give some hope and some life. And you can change, um, you know, your future. And in some cases, it's not just that you'll change the future for you. Because maybe, maybe, maybe it's going to take everything you can do to scratch and claw and whatever just to stay ahead uh, or to stay out of drug addiction to stay out of sexual you know something um but you doing the best you can do to be as level or as faithful as as possible uh to god um you have no clue what that might do for your children um and what that could do for the next generation because that might mean the world a difference for them and i I mean i feel like any good parent like that's that's the hope right is that your kids would have a better life than you um I've I've come to find that as an adult, like that's not true with everybody. Not everybody thinks that way, which is unfortunate. But um, I think any good parent, like that's 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 the desire, that's the hope, is that your children would have a better life than than you have. Um, but I, but really, it's on both sides of my family. Um, my grandfather, uh, my mom's mom, uh, he passed away when I was pretty young as well, and uh, he didn't come from a faithful family. And so, really, both of my grandfathers came from craziness um from moonshiners to you know just all kinds of stuff um my grandfather didn't know his father uh, matter of fact found out like as in a young adult that his his actual biological father lived right down the road he did not know that um and so that's kind of weird and craziness that he kind of grew up in um but man he was a deacon and at different times even my grandmother talks about that he really questioned whether or not he was called to be in ministry um and so he raised his family to be believers. And I also give a lot of credit to my grandmothers being faithful women. Um, and But here, here I sit two generations later um, from those men and from those women, and my life was drastically different, you know? And like I said, I grew up in a house where my mom and dad loved each other. Um, I knew that they were always for me. That was one of the things when my dad passed away. It was a weird, I, I mean, I, I get it now. Um, but I remember getting the phone call from my brother, him telling me, and I remember doing a quarter turn in my chair and falling flat on the floor and just crying with him and just being torn up and then having to hang up the phone with him because he had something, you know, he had, I don't remember if it was an ambulance or EMTs or somebody was there. Um, and I remember just laying right, there, laying right there and then all of a sudden a sense of thankfulness came over me. As I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just, you know, crying and trying to figure out what's going on and like, gosh, just the loss and the pain of my dad dying and, and getting that news. Um, but then on the same sense, I have, at that point, I had ministered to young men. I had a host of, of guys who were in my youth group at the time who did not have fathers who were present or did not have fathers that they even knew. And, you know, even before then. And I just remember thinking, just God, thank you. God, thank you. 
because there was never a warm. My dad was not perfect. I knew he wasn't perfect. There's times I was for sure, especially as a teenager, I was fighting mad with him. <laughs> but um, I knew that he loved me, and I knew that he was for me, and I knew that he wanted the best for my life, and um, that was never a question. And so when I think about kind of the generational change that kind of happened, um, you know, just a couple generations later, in the grand scheme of humanity, that's not long. Um, sometimes we lose sight of that, you know, in our life. But anyway. How yeah. special it is that Charity got to meet your dad and spend years in a relationship with him. Because you know, yeah. it was 2008, 2009 is when they... Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's, that's another situation that both breaks my heart and is is good, you know. The fact that... She met her father, and four years later, he passed away. Um, on the same sense, you know, right. It was the thing that got to bring all of us together. Um, and so now that we have a relationship and we can we can begin to, to speak, and what, what he was at least there to kind of mm-hmm. give both sides of the story type situation. Um, so that was, that was nice, for, especially now sitting where we are, to at least know that it was a huge, it was ugly mess, um, sure, there were things that should have been done different, uh, could have been d- done different. Uh, on the same sense, um, there's a lot of misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me, probably one of the most interesting things about that story is the the parallels between your dad and your sister, right? Mm-hmm. Where your dad, like, makes a decision, I'm going to have a Christian household, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna begin this generational thing so that my kids grow up differently than 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 I had it than, yeah. than I grew up, and then Charity makes the same decision. It sounds like Charity's uh, growing up was a lot rougher than your dad's. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But to to see that your sister made the conscious decision really with no examples modeling them within her family and saying, "Hey, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do different." Yeah, with with yeah. my family. In my yeah. household. Which, you know, i got to be careful taking too much liberty to kind of share her testimony um, mm-hmm. because I uh, I don't know well enough to just explain every little piece of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, her mother struggled with a lot of things, uh, struggled to, to figure out how to raise her daughters and that kind of stuff. And um, the, the stabilizing force of her grand, grandparents adopting her, mm-hmm. that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is it does lean in one of those stories that, that we see you know, as ministers we do see, um, where, yeah, she's, she had a lot of wild and craziness in her life and she wanted something different. And in her heart, she knew that, that life needed to be different than what she had seen before her. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I wonder how many people feel. So when you're explaining kind of the emotions of growing of, of your sister growing up without a father that didn't, See, to her, she didn't. She she thought that he didn't want anything to do with her, mm-hmm. and connecting that to the gospel and saying, like, I wonder how many people feel that way about God. You know, like if there is a God, like if there is somebody who created me, where is he? Like, why is he letting me go through these things? And and to especially this time of year, being around Christmas, is it's like up to us. You know that the Christians, followers of Jesus, to step up to the plate and say, hey, there is a God. He loves you. He wants to. He is your heavenly Father, and the way that you have relationship with him is through faith in Christ. And I, and I think, like, you were explaining, like, uh, some things that should have been done differently, some, some drama. Like, I think a lot of 
drama that's creating people's spiritual lives is us just not stepping in and saying, hey, there's relationship there, and it's way simpler than you think that it is. That's that's one of the needs for fathers to be engaged. And, I mean, that you can't get away from the fact that he, you know, he's our Heavenly Father. Um, and, you know, just as a father now, you're a mm-hmm. father as well. Um, man, we can put an obstacle between our kids and God. We can. And, and that's that's something sometimes people have to overcome. Now, in the same sense, uh, it's overcomable, um, you know. Uh, it is one of those things that, hey, listen, that he is a perfect father, um, whereas earthly men are not. Um, so sometimes, sometimes that that in and of itself is, man, that's the hope, right? That he gives is that there there is someone who loves you, values you, cherishes you, um, loves you regardless of who you are and what you've done. Um, there's a lot of hope and a lot of love in that. Um, and so, yeah, you are right. Uh, from from just from a Christian standpoint, like especially this time of year, um, with you know the hope of the Messiah coming to be with us, the joy that that gives, the the opportunity for peace in the midst of chaos, in the midst of craziness, to know that He is a God who is not distant, that He loves us, and that He is He is there with us um, in the midst of real craziness, in the midst of real chaos. Um, Man, that's a game changer. That can absolutely be a game changer to know you're not alone. Uh, to know that that this world, this life in and of itself, um, is not the end. Uh, that it's not the end, end all, be all. Um, that there's more. Um, man, that can that can bring a lot of hope. Well, Jack, I appreciate you willing to share this story. Yeah. <laughs> and when I think about. Uh, how you are as a dad and a husband you, you said you, when you were a teenager you thought man I, I need to i need to have some nice things yeah, yeah some complications <laughs> i need to right now it's like no man let's <laughs> your your view of fatherhood <laughs> and being a husband like it's it's layered right like you yeah. like having a father that's that's passed away and and knowing the story about your sister and and what your dad and sister had experienced through that and and uh it's just interesting to, to see how that translates into you, how you relate to your kids, how you relate to Karen. And on top of that, how faithful you are to Pathway and how much you serve and your attitude towards um, following Jesus, especially in your role here at Pathway, it's, it's inspiring. And I'm very thankful to have you as a coworker, as, as, a, as a brother here serving in the same local church. So thanks so much for, uh, for being an example and, and sharing your story with us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Mitchell. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening. We are so thankful to have Jack as part of our Pathway team and family. For more information about Thrive, visit thriveuark.com.